Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network, another episode of Greens with Envy. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Editor-in-Chief Guy Cipriano. This is the podcast where Guy and I talk about places we visited, courses we've seen, maybe even courses we've played, people we've talked with, and all the actual fun stuff about traveling and being away from home and going to golf courses. This one, we're going to call it, gosh, Greens with Envy 40? Greens with Envy 40. Amazing. We're going to call it Rustic Settings. We talk about one course in Virginia, one course in South Carolina, both just incredible, beautiful places. Before we get to either of those courses, though, let's talk about our May issue. It is going to be online a little later this week. It's going to be in your inbox, I don't know, probably a week after that, in your actual physical mailbox. Some great stories, including a two-story, three-course cover package about Chicagoland Nines. Guy wrote about Downers Grove and Tam O'Shanner. I wrote about Potawatomi. Three fantastic courses. Looking forward to seeing some of them in person later this year. Plus, more features, more columns, great Great equipment finds from Terry Buchan, all the stuff you come to love and know and expect from Golf Course Industry Magazine. So that will be online at golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine a little later this week. And again, in your physical inbox, your mailbox, about a week after that. There is even an idea for turning your old one iron in our May issue into a productive part of your golf course. Why does anybody have a one iron God? We was God. Why does anybody have a one iron guy? We've established that only God can hit a one iron. Lee Trevino established that. I know. Lee said that. It's a great idea. So if you have a one iron and you're thinking about getting rid of it in the next few weeks, keep it until you read our May issue. Fair. On social media, our hashtag Turfheads Grilling program is now in its second year. You can post your photos any day of the week. We have stuff regularly on Fridays, and guy, you have a whole program scheduled out over the rest of the year, and we might have a road trip here before too much longer as part of that program. Stay tuned. We may be on the road. Some fun stuff. Grilling. Yeah. Let's just grill some vegetables, okay? Grilled grilled cauliflower for me? We'll grill something for you, man. All right, thanks. Not eating meat this year. It's going well. It's going well. And in case you don't listen to all the other podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network, this is Greens with Envy. We've already established what this show is. The longest-running show, Tartan Talks, with Guy Cipriano. He talks with members of the ASGCA about all things architecture and, and the future of golf. Off the course, I talk with superintendents other turf pros about literally anything other than their job. We have Beyond the Page that dives a little deeper into some of the stories and columns in the magazine. And two fantastic outside contributor podcasts, Wonderful Women of Golf. That drops on the first Thursday of every month with uh, Rick Wolfel talking with just women from all around the industry. Fantastic young 25-year-old, I think, Canadian assistant superintendent on this next episode that's going to drop in a couple of days. And Real Turf Text with Trent Manning, where Trent just calls up his buddies uh, in the in the uh, equipment area, in, in the maintenance building who are, who are working on equipment and handling things and gets tips and tricks. Let's have some fun. That drops on the third Wednesday of every month, right? Do I have that right? Third Wednesday? You're 100% correct. Good. All right. Got it right. I got it, Trent. We got it. Since when did 
100%, by the way, become a term of acknowledgement. Well, who's who's the Michigan player who was drafted by the Lions last? Aiden Hutchinson? Aiden Hutchinson. Apparently that's his thing. He, I was reading in Sports Illustrated. He, he doesn't say yes. His affirmative response is 100%. He is all in. Yeah, it's a term of acknowledgement. You'll be just talking to someone yeah. and they'll say 100% or 110% instead of yeah. yes or I got you or a show right. or some of the other ones. Right. Do we have more trips planned over the course of the spring? 100%. Is this going to be a good podcast? 100%. Are we ready to get rolling with the two courses we're going to talk about? 109% because we're going to talk about the Schoolhouse 9 in Sperryville, Virginia, right? 100% we are. All right. So tell me about the Schoolhouse 9. You've been wanting to visit this course for some time. You finally got there. I don't know if you want to tell your your travails on the road to get to that point, but uh, at least let's talk about the Schoolhouse 9. Yeah, and if I had to rate it on a scale of 1 to 100%, I'd give it 110%, Matt. Although, fortunately, at Golf Course Industry, we're not in the business of rating golf courses. I can't imagine doing that job because anyone that listens to us knows that we love all of them. It sounds like a special kind of hell having to say that some course is better than another. It's like saying you love one of your kids more than one of your other kids, or you love one type of pizza more than another type of pizza. Well, no, no, you, you can say that. Anyway, Schoolhouse 9. So this was not a sanctioned golf course industry work mission. My wife and I were doing one of our national park trips, and we were at Shenandoah National Park in the mountains of Virginia, about two hours outside the nation's capital, about six hours from our our Cleveland home. Just an awesome national park that's easily accessible to a lot of people that live in the eastern and mid-Atlantic and Midwestern states. Not a far drive from a lot of people. You know, a lot of the national parks, Matt, are out west, and you, you got to fly and then drive five or six hours to get to them. And this is one of the most accessible national parks that have that has tremendous in hiking and other outdoor activities. Right, and real quick aside, I have a friend who lives down in Florida who, last time I texted him, he was about to go to the Great Smokies. Great Smokies, far and away, the most visited national park, and it's because what percentage of the country lives within like a six or eight hour drive of it? it it's, you're there in a day. I think it's 80% of the country. It's absurd. And it's the same yeah. thing with Shenandoah. Right. National Park, the, the same people that can drive to the Smokies can yeah. drive to Shenandoah National Park. So anyway, uh, anyone that knows anything about Shenandoah National Park knows that Skyline Drive is the main intersection that goes right through the middle of the park. Most of the hiking trails and picnic spots and overlooks and activities are based right on Skyline Drive. So you're probably wondering what does this have to do with a golf course and what you do as people that work in the golf industry? Well, on the eastern side of the, the mountains at the bottom is a town called Sperryville. And in Sperryville, there's a seven-year-old short course, nine-hole course, exclusively par three holes. It's just absolutely love, lovely called the Schoolhouse Nines. On a Friday afternoon on our trip, wife and I, who I know is not listening to this podcast, <laughs> hiked. Well, we did it. We started in the morning. So the signature hike in Shenandoah National Park. It's called Old Rag Mountain. It's 3,200 feet. At the top, it's 2,348 feet of gain and scrambling <laughs> to get to the top. So we, we did that hike. We started in the morning. We started around 10 a.m., got done around 4 p.m. And we got done. We're both pretty exhausted. It was a it was a hot day, you know, 10 miles round trip. The weather got close to 80 degrees. Had to drink a lot of water. We had a lovely picnic at the top with this just omnipresent, you know, view where you could see all four sides of the national park and the surrounding communities. So we get in our van 
once we get to the bottom of the mountain. That's a story I guess we can tell at some point if we have time. Because <laughs> you don't normally drive a van. And without telling her, I knew that the Schoolhouse 9 was like 15 minutes from where we parked, where Old Rag Mountain is on that, that side of the National Park. So we head right to Schoolhouse 9, pull into the parking lot. Right away, you're just gripped. You see this school building, and then you see this uh, patio that people are sitting on, and people walking around the golf car- course with, I guess they're, are they pull or push carts? You technically push them, but they're called pull carts. It's one of those things I just have never understood with push golf. Push pull carts. Push pull carts. Trolleys. Walking golf oh, there trolleys. But trolley, that, trolley that's sounds, pretty wordy. Trolley sounds very British. Anyway, so I've been reading about this course. I knew it was uh, near the National Park. I knew I, I brought my clubs on the, on the trip. I just didn't tell my wife that we were going to head there. So, you know, she, she finally picked up on what was going on when we got into the parking lot. You know, we're both pretty tired from the hike. You know, we're in our, I think I'm in cargo shorts and a t-shirt sweating and she's in uh shorts and a t-shirt you know we're, we're sweating i mean it, it, you do that much gain on a hot day and only get so much flu- fluids in here you're gonna be hot you're gonna be a bit overheated a bit exhausted so you, you pay at the schoolhouse nine at the pub <laughs> so what a way to get people from the start you, you talk about having a good food and beverage operation <laughs> you know people are just tempted to buy drinks right away and of course we bought some waters and sweet teas because we were overheated from the hike and i start talking to a gentleman at the bars we're waiting to pay and you know, we, we just go back and forth and i i kind of told him how excited i was to play this golf course i was looking up some things about it reading some articles i've been written in the past about it and just seemed like it was going to be my type of place and you know right before we get out to play the course he goes well you know the greenkeeper is right over there so again i said that this is a non-sanctioned golf course industry mission. I'm just going there as somebody that wants to play the golf course. And of course, he gets the greenkeeper to come over, the superintendent, as we call him here in the States. Uh, His name was Curtis Buxton. Had a really good conversation with him. You could see my wife kind of rolling her eyes, not because of anything Curtis said or did, but she realized that this is going to be a longer trip to the golf course than she had well, she didn't even bargain for it. Then, then this random stop after our hike, yeah. we, we talked to Curtis a little about his background and what he did. You know, I'm not recording or taking notes. It's just somebody getting ready to play the golf course who happens to work for an industry publication. So get done with that and go out and, you know, play the course. It was packed. So you think about it. The course has a tie-in with a pub. The pub also has an arcade with pinball machines and air hockey. Like, it's a big, big arcade. I don't know how many square feet it is, but you had the arcade, you had the pub, you had the patio. Friday, you know, it gets to about 5 p.m. at this point, you know, people coming in for their Friday night after work drinks or mm-hmm. in this case, they're, they're after work or evening nine, too. And it's a so, great concept to have a course that could be played between 45 minutes and an hour and a half and have a restaurant, and a, a food and beverage operation right there. Real quick. So they have this pub, this restaurant, this arcade. Yeah. You were there Friday right after work. How many people were there just for the inside who had no no interest or, or at least didn't step out onto the course? That's a good question. So this is a real rural area, Sperryville, Virginia. It's yeah. in a county called Rappahannock County, Virginia. Only around 7,600 people live in the entire county, and the county did not have a golf course until uh, local businessman Cliff Miller opened Schoolhouse 9 in 2015. So I would say that there were probably, I don't know, three, four, five dozen people there hanging out. And most of them were just outside on the patio having some drinks or having some food and just looking out at the golf course. And there's a putting course, a nine-hole practice green putting course right adjacent to the patio. And then the the first tee's right there. And the course is sort of a a loop. So it was pretty crowded on that Friday night. I knew that my wife's tolerance was starting to run low. So, (laughs) yeah, she didn't want to play. With you or with alcohol? Uh, 
just with uh, having done a tough hike and okay. her back hurting, right. and I think we had to get to the grocery store that night for her to get some produce. I go out, and uh, it was really cool just seeing all the different types of people that were playing there. There was a, uh, a family that teed off with uh, two young children. There were some gentlemen there playing their Friday night game. I think I saw a husband and wife. There was a guy walking a dog, which we'll, we'll get into here, and I go out and start playing a few holes. I knew I wasn't going to get all nine in because the course was crowded and I had to get my wife out of there at some point. She starts walking the first fairway with me and laughs at a shot that I hit. Um, it's not easy to do, do a 10-mile hike with 2,300 feet of gain, grab your sticks, and have your A game. That, that usually doesn't happen. But At least she's comfortable laughing at you. We get to the second hole, and she just starts laying down on the turf. She goes, this is some really nice grass. And she just starts laying down, so I go and play a few more holes. I, I didn't quite okay, play Lindsay. all nine. I, I looped back on seven and eight, the way the routing that I was able to just kind of do within it. I think I got five holes in, six holes in. And I, you know, as I got to number eight, which is near the, the green, I said, hey, we're, we're headed back now. And she gets up, and there was really no play behind me, so she was able to. Although, this was really cool. A, a father came, came up. Uh, playing, I think, the second hole while my wife was laying there. And he had, it looked like maybe like a two-year-old and a four-year-old with him, letting them hit some shots. So it's an all-comers type place. Oh, I, I forgot to mention on weekdays, it's $15 to play all, all the golf that you want. All day? Yes. That's pretty good. Uh, well, yeah, that, that, that's a bargain. Yeah. So I think I played six holes that night. I didn't play five, six, and seven because they were in a part of the course that was pretty crowd it so at least i got one through four and seven and eight in yeah we, we we get we get my wife's produce we go back to the house that we're staying in you know we have a good rest of the trip well i knew we were leaving on sunday morning and she takes forever to, to get ready when we leave a vacation i really hope she's not listening to this at this point so i knew that i could wake up early sunday morning shower quick the course opens at eight it was about a half hour drive from where we were staying so i take the van down to the other side of the mountain again <laughs> And play on a Sunday morning. And Matt, it was like one of those perfect Sunday mornings. Like, oh, the sunrise was up. There was some dew on the ground. Curtis was out mowing the greens, so they were freshly mowed. Uh, I, I go in and pay at the pub, get a hat. I had to get a hat. It was cool. The logo is really cool. It's the county outline with nine in the middle of it. So I had to get a hat. I wasn't Very able nice. to do it on the Friday night that I was there. And I got to play all nine holes on that Sunday morning. There was a little traffic out in front of me. There were two older gentlemen with, what would you call them? Those real thin bags, you know, those shoulder... Uh, Sunday bags? Something, yeah. Where yeah. You have four or five clubs in it. Yeah. And they were out playing ahead of me. There were, I think, two other people playing out ahead of me. But I got nine holes in in 51 minutes. And now we'll actually describe the golf course and the, the ethos of the golf course. Uh, <laughs> it really got to digest it a little more the second time without my wife around and without us being sweaty and discombumulated from a tough hike. It's really cool. It's basically tees our height of cut, and then it's one height of cut from tee to green, no fairway-type turf, and then the greens are just super imaginative. Mike McCartan was the architect. He's a younger art architect that's based in the, the Mid-Atlantic, and this was one of his really first solo projects. I believe he used to work for Tom Doak or has worked with Tom Doak at, at one point. And uh, the course is rustic. You're in rural Virginia. Mm -hmm. You know, in the it, it's a loop kind of, you know, one through nine. And in the middle of that loop, there are these wildflower plots with just tons of bird boxes or bird boxes all over the place. You could tell that the course has a uh, mission of protecting the environment and showcasing what it's doing good for the, the environment. Uh, even they let things go. That's kind of one of the cool things. It's not one of those over-maintained courses. So there were even some 
you know, dandelions and other colorful weeds growing on the tea boxes by Sunday, which hmm. they want that there. That's the That's type cool. of rustic look that they want. There are no course accessories. Uh, at the first tee, there's a box that has these little scorecards, which I'm holding right now. That There's pencils in there, and there's also divot fixers in there, which I think is a great idea. Nice. For whatever yeah. those cost, you're probably going to make back and labor saved without repairing ball marks on the green. So. Well, and it sets a nice precedent for, A, if you're bringing this dad who has his two- and four-year-old, they probably don't have their own tools. Mm-hmm. They probably don't even have their own tees, little, little kids. So you see dad doing it, you get to be doing it, and you have your own tool. If you've forgotten it, it's there. Mm-hmm. And if you are not the kind of person who fixes uh, marks normally, well... Now you don't really have an excuse, and maybe you'll just be kind of prodded into doing it. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great move. I like that. Yeah, and, and there are a few bunkers out on the course, and they just fit the landscape beautifully. they got the brown sand in them, the kind of the linksy style look. Uh, the faces and edges, they let grow out with, like, weeds and wildflowers, which I'm sure is a tough look to, to, to keep, and they just are super cool. The third hole has spectacle bunkers. Uh, you know, some of the holes don't have bunkers. The holes range in yardages from 85 yards to 171 yards okay so on those nine holes on that sunday morning on tee shots i hit my 52 degree wedge my 56 degree wedge my attack wedge my pitching wedge nine iron eight iron and seven iron so what's that seven clubs off the tee on nine different holes so you think that you wouldn't have that much variety from 85 to 171 yards but there's cool variety there's some greens that i i kid you not are less than a thousand square feet and then there's some greens that had to have been, you know, four, five, six thousand square feet, especially eight and nine. You feel like you're you're putting on a Lynx course overseas, and they're just really creative greens. You wonder how they get um, some pins in some places. I noticed on the Facebook page that they do a superintendent superintendent's revenge tournament. Curtis has some really <laughs> cool places he can put pins and really mess with people. There's some homes that border the far side of the course. In fact, when I was playing Sunday morning by the fourth tee, there was an older uh, man and woman just kind of hanging out in their yard, waiting to talk to golfers. And they asked me what my favorite hole in the course is. I said, well, I haven't played the whole course. And I always give my politically correct answer when I get my uh, a question like, what's your favorite hole or what's your favorite course? I always say the next one I'm going to mm-hmm. play. It was a great Sunday morning. Oh, did I mention they don't have motorized carts either? Lovely. So the cart barn is a sign that says ice cream on it with about two or three dozen trolleys walking trolleys now that we're calling them those and right behind it is some of the maintenance equipment that curtis uses i noticed a um like a riding rough mower for that height of cut that is from t to green i i noticed a i, I believe a triplex to mow greens too so not not much equipment that he has working with hmm. and then the course has some rules matt do you want to know the local rules local rules for the schoolhouse nine this is reading directly from the scorecard pace of play Groups are expected to play nine holes in 75 minutes. Please allow faster groups to play through. Natural areas played as lateral hazards. Please do not enter natural areas. This is a great one. Dogs unleash allowed. There you go. Please clean up after your dog. Well, goes without saying. Have you ever seen those words on a golf scorecard? Uh, well, there is uh, the Loma Club in, in San Diego. I don't know if it's on their scorecard, but there were dogs aplenty, so... You know, the precedent has been set. And then there's a message from Cliff Miller, who owns the course. Welcome to the Schoolhouse 9. We have chosen to minimize irrigation and chemical inputs, balancing turf uniformity with healthy playing conditions and a respect for the natural environment is core to our mission. Thank you for choosing to play here. Enjoy your round. 
so it was a little pricier on the weekend. It was $25 to play all day. But you think about it, I got there just after 8 a.m. If mm -hmm. I really wanted to, I could have, heck, played a couple hundred holes. Easily. So what a deal. You know, you keep people around that actually want to do that all day. They're probably going to go in and have lunch and a drink mm -hmm. at, the, at the pub and sit on the patio. And maybe they even have, you know, some drinks after they're around, too. So you, you see a course where there's actually a legitimate tie-in to, to food and beverage, uh, the Schoolhouse Nine. But you have views of the mountains on various parts of the course. It just It's right along a... I guess a highway, rural road, one of the busier roads in Sperryville, and you see some traffic, but it doesn't really, you don't really feel like you're out at really with the traffic. And uh, there's some elevation change when you get the five, six, seven, which are the really short holes in a, in a pocket of the course that has some trees. And yeah, I mean, the place is lovely. It, it exceeded my expectations. Uh, whenever I do my book about par three courses, <laughs> par three nation, or whatever, you I'm need to write call this it, already. Schoolhouse Nine will figure prominently into it i hope to get back if you're ever anywhere near washington it, it, it's probably like 75 miles from washington dc which that could be a really long drive depending on traffic but if you're anywhere near shenandoah national park or in the in the dc beltway area i highly recommend going out and playing it the, the turf conditions were really firm too so i felt like i was able to play some roll-up shots despite that you know one height of cut that's not quite fairway height from t to green and it just was really really fun to play and you know, had a great evening there and even a more lovely morning. And, uh, yeah, then took the, the van back into Luray, got the truck, and made my drive home for, from Virginia. I think I talked to my wife for like an hour about how much I enjoyed that Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm glad I went back there. And I think there's a, actually a story in that. If you know you're going to wait around and do for something and you mm -hmm. have even the little amount of time, go see something, go do something, oh, yeah. whether it's play a short course or take an hour walk or drive to a lake and fish for, you know, you're going to have an hour to hour and a half to two hour gap in something explore. And you never know what you're going to run into and you never know what story you're going to have to tell. I know I've rambled on here, but this is just really special course that I'm sure I'll find a way to get back to at some point. And hopefully I get to bring you there, Matt, because I'm sure that you would love it. Oh, you know how I feel about par threes. And whenever you get around to Par 3 Nation, you know, we should probably just, like, crowdsource that book. If you are listening and you want to read Par 3 Nation by Guy Cipriano, either, I guess, probably email? You want to send an email to G Cipriano, G? G-C-I-P-R-I-N-O at G-I-E dot net. I try to do it in, like, three-letter increments. That's not the way to do it. Anyway, we're going to be in Kansas City, so we're going to have a lot of courses to talk about for the next Greens, but I'm going to be walking a site that will eventually be becoming a Par 3 course, so I'm pretty excited mm -hmm. about that. Uh -huh. Good on to the second rustic course here that we're going to talk about. This one is in South Carolina, and Matt, you got to go to it. Tell our listeners about Musgrove Mill and what makes this equally as special as Schoolhouse 9. Well, you put this together. Uh, this was during the master's trip, so you visited this with me and with Lee Carr. It was a great, great morning. We had been to Augusta the day before. And then Will Holroyd, who's been the superintendent at Musgrove Mill in Clinton, South Carolina, since before the course opened in 1988, uh, was very kind, very generous with our time, with his time. We looked down at our watches when we were walking out. We said, we've been here for almost three hours. Designed by Arnold Palmer and Ed C.A., Opened in 1988, it has been described for a variety of reasons as the Pine Valley of the South, both in terms of its just very natural, rustic uh, setting, 
its quietude on the course, but also because it is really challenging. What do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't remember if Will told us this or not, or if, or if uh, uh, we heard it from anybody else at the club, but what, is, what do you think the average handicap is for a member there? It's got to be single digits. It's probably a single digit. Yeah. So it's, we, it's, it's a player's club. We just talked about Schoolhouse 9. There's just one set of T markers yeah. on every hole, and that course is well less than a it's somewhere around 1,000 yards. I'm looking at the scorecard right now. They mm-hmm. actually don't have the final yardage on it. Uh, doesn't have a USGA course <laughs> rating or slope rating on it. Musgrove Mill, yeah. by comparison from the Walnut Tees, which are the back tees, 6,941 yards, uh, 74.4 course rating with a slope of 155. It's tough. Yeah. We didn't play it. No. Fortunately, we no. didn't play it, actually. I wouldn't have we made, may still survived have been two out or three there. holes. <laughs> but it was just a, a perfect overcast morning, and the day got nicer as it went along. I think it was raining for a while when we were there, too. I like a little mist. And... Just to see all the little spots that Palmer and CA carved out of this 315-acre tract of land. It's astounding. And there's a story online uh, on the website about it, a quiet place. The What's the deck that we came up with? Tucked between Atlanta and Charlotte, Musgrove Mill Golf Club is a perfect escape from the real world, and Superintendent Will Holroyd is the perfect guide. I, I could have spent all day there, uh, watching the Ellery River kind of wind through the course and play havoc on at least one or two holes, uh, seeing, what was it, 21 fans trying to dry off, I think, 15 of the 18 holes. Um, the practice green oh my by gosh. the clubhouse even had a fan on it. Yeah. Uh, everything about that course is just what a what a great place to be able to go back to and it was it's rustic like Mm -hmm. it it wasn't okay will and his team do a tremendous job but it things weren't over manicured there were native areas and sandy areas where they weren't perfect geometrical Mm -hmm. shapes and there were marshes and dozens of probably different trees and plant species there just remember i think it was the 16th hole to the left mat is sort of a, an area where they dump excess soil and grass, and they've right. It was a gi- it was Will a giant team, pile. Yeah, yeah, Will and his team have made those cor- course features. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that makes golf in the Carolinas really special is that you have all varieties of golf. They say from mountains to the sea. Mm-hmm. Well, just on this site, this three hundred fifteen acre site in South Carolina at Musgrove Mill, you had holes, especially like the second, a par three that has more close to a hundred foot drop where you feel like you're in the mountains. Right. And then when you got the holes like 15 and 16, the lower lying holes, you felt like you were near the, the coast and the river, what an amazing job um, of using the Henry river as a, as a course feature. And yeah, it does flood. I mean, oh, yeah, they have does. significant issues. I mean, we were there a day after uh, about two and a half inches. of rain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was soggy, but it wasn't unplayable or anything. Uh, the he, clubhouse is really simple, rustic type, building you know maybe there's room for what like maybe a dozen people to dine in there and grab a drink oh no more than that but maybe it, two it, dozen yeah but, but it has a big wraparound porch which is just a beautiful place i imagine to sit and 
just relax before or after a round. It's part of the. Uh, it's recently become part of the McConnell uh, Golf Chain, and they've done a really good job of investing in the facility. McConnell Golf, for those that aren't familiar, is a company that is involved with now over a dozen private clubs. Fourteen, yeah, yeah across no. the southeast. You it's know. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee. And Tennessee is the other one. Yeah, yeah, and they have some lovely properties, and this is certainly one of the ones at the top of that list. And despite the golf course being really tough, you could go around there not even swing a golf club and probably never get bored of it. No, it it's incredible. And you just, you look at everything that's around there. We saw probably what, three or four wild turkeys without really hunting for them, yeah. just around. Uh, Will mentioned that there were plenty of deer, obviously. I think beavers, uh, wild pigs from time to time, some bald eagles. Uh, you don't see a home on the property. You don't oh, even no, feel no like homes. you're close to a home. I think they have a few lodges for over Cottages, yeah. Yeah, for... for national and international guests who aren't close and they stay overnight. But, you know, you could go for a walk and just look for animals, look for bugs. My five-year-old neighbor would love to hunt for bugs there. And seeing the, the power of nature, I can't remember where on the course it was, but Will pointed out a car path. And there was a big crack in the cart path. And it was all from flooding. I mean, I, I know you remember this. but It was by the 15th tee. It was the 15th tee. So the, the water comes in, floods everything. And this water is so powerful, it splits the cart path perfectly. And there's a, a V-shaped schism now in the cart path. Points out, all water. The cart path has gone straight up against the roots of a tree. Incredible. There's only one spot on the golf course, the 11th tee, where you can even hear a motor vehicle. Right. That was the lead. That was uh, Highway 56, which is a little connector. And it runs, I think it basically runs from near Newberry, where we stayed on that trip down to Spartanburg. So not even really, really big cities in South Carolina. And Will is too humble to admit this, but we were spending three hours with an absolute Carolina's golf legend. I mean, in 2017, Will received the Carolina GCSA's highest honor, the Distinguished Service right. Award. I mean, he's lasted, what, 30, 40, 35 years 35 now, now at the same property there are numerous superintendents in the carolinas and other parts of the southeast who have worked for will at one point in fact uh, there are a lot of teenagers in that, that town that come there and work there year after year and some many of them have gone on to work in the golf industry you know one notable person who credits a lot of his start with what he learned from will is ashley davis who mm. at long cove club who has one of the great developmental systems in the southeast we talked about ashley uh, last March on Greens with Envy when I was in Hilton Head. So there there are a lot of lives that have been changed and bettered because of the, the work that Will does there at Musgrove Mill and his ability to connect with people and, and train young people, whether they go on to work in the golf industry or some other line of work. One of the things in my notes that I don't think I included in the story, maybe I'll go back and I'll plug it in, uh, you mentioned working with younger folks. I think he estimated, and knowing how humble Will is, uh, he probably undercounted it, but he estimated that he has about 12 former assistants who he's worked with, who've worked under him, who are now superintendents or directors of agronomy at their own club, which is, it's a pretty good track record. Yeah, it's it's that type of course. I just remember, um, it's not that far from the interstate, but I remember no. when we were pulling in, uh, it was you, myself, and Lee Carr. Mm -hmm. So there were three of us on this visit. You go through the entrance drive, and you're just like, I can't believe that this is that close to the interstate. It's, what, about 45 minutes from Columbia? Mm -hmm. 
you know, 45 minutes from Greenville, which is one of the fastest growing cities in America. But you really have that sense of seclusion that I think you really want if you live a busy urban life and you're around a lot of people. And uh, what a fabulous golf course. Uh, you know, South Carolina has some tremendous golf and it's as high quality, fascinating, unique of any type of golf experience that you'd want to have anywhere. And especially in a state like that with a lot of great golf. Yeah. I would, I would go back and spend more time with Will if he'll have us anytime, anytime we're in the area. What a great place to just be. And you don't like, again, it just has that rustic feel. It meshes with what surrounds the golf course. So yeah, two really cool courses in Schoolhouse 9 and Musgrove Mill. And that's, I think, you know, one of the reasons why we do this podcast, Matt, is to let people know about some of these courses that they may not know a lot about or Mm -hmm. don't get a ton of attention, you know, within mainstream golf media or even in the industry. And they're I'm sure there's probably a, a Musgrove Mill and a Schoolhouse Nine like course in almost every state. And sure, like we just sure. said, if you have that hour and a half, two free hours, go find your Schoolhouse Nine or your mm-hmm. Musgrove Mill. Just step out and experience some of these places. I know it's so tough because got to track them down and fall in There's love. so many demands on all of our readers, and they're spending so much time at the golf course, especially you know in this day and age where there's so much play and there are you know huge labor shortages, but. You can learn a lot by, you know, whether you're just going there as a consumer or going there like we were in a formal touring capacity with the superintendent. So try to find time to do those type of things this year. You know, even if it's just one every quarter or one every four months, you'll you'll, uh, gain a perspective that will probably help you with your job. Anything else that we didn't talk about Musgrove Mill? No. We didn't have to drive a van on that trip. No, we did not. Rented an an SUV. What a fun, fun episode two. Really nice courses. Maybe I'll see Schoolhouse someday. Would love to get back to Musgrove. Again, if you've made it this far with us, Guy wanted this to be a nine-minute episode for nine holes at Schoolhouse 9. I don't know about that. Check out the magazine online, again, later this week, golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine. It'll be in your mailbox, assuming you subscribe, and I think most of you do, uh, in the middle of the month. Get on Twitter, hashtag TurfHeadsGrilling. Listen to more podcasts. What else? We have anything else going on? Is that it? Follow us on Twitter, at GCI Magazine. Subscribe for free at GolfCourseIndustry.com. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We're going to have some new podcast series that are a bit more technical, Mm -hmm. disease and weed-related, getting ready to drop, and we're excited about those. Limited runs. What are those, four or five episodes? Yeah. Yeah. So a a lot of cool stuff coming up. You know, we're like our readers. We're we're busy and just pounding it and taking advantage of this uh, great wave of interest in golf right now. All right. Well, that's it. For Guy Cipriano and everybody else here, Golf Course Industry Magazine, Guy was undecided about whether he wanted to say one more thing. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry. Thanks so much for listening.